This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we find love on TV. Probably not. In March of 2002, the TV phenomenon called The Bachelor debuted on ABC. Since then, reality TV documentaries and television dating competitions have entertained many millions of people across the U.S. and the world. But beyond the intrigue of America's hottest single people on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, shows like 90 Day Fiancé and Sister Wives have sparked conversations about what kind of love and relationships are out there that may be off the beaten path. Now, with the advent of streaming services like Netflix, the genre is hotter than it's ever been. But does it work? What's the benefit? What's the issue? In this episode of Game Theory, we break down the competition shows like The Bachelor and Love is Blind and the documentary shows like 90 Day Fiance and Sister Wives. And welcome to episode 55 of Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making. And Chris... We finally hit the ceiling (laughs) for the biggest number you used to be able to have legally in basketball. 55. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah, because the ref can only do the number. Oh, you mean the the, the number on your jersey? Yeah, that's still very much a thing in like high school and stuff because, yeah, the 55. Block. 55. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Blocked. Okay, so... We're talking about dating today, Chris, but before we do that, I want to talk about something significantly more important, and that is that I've been following you and your so on, you know, on social media, which is a significant other is a stupid thing. I'm just going to call it so-so. Um, you guys... I like to call it the house manager. Um, <laughs> the house manager. The office yeah, the, manager, uh, house manager. The, the strategist, the, the corporate strategist. So at 9 a.m., one of you, I forget who, doesn't matter, posted something on social media that you were going to get a new couch. And this yeah, is a we great were, we're thrilled day. to celebrate that. Yeah, huge deal. Like, well, we're, we're growing up. We've gotten rid of our old thing that was pretty comfortable, and now we're going to go to a new thing that's not comfortable but looks great. Yes. <laughs> and so you did. You got rid of your couch. Like, look, the couch will come here. And then six hours later, you heard from the company that's like, yeah, it might not happen today. Yeah, two and a half hours after the scheduled window, they said, oh, we're running a little bit late today. Well, you know, actually, you know what? It's surprising to, to hear this probably, but, like, I actually did detect that. <laughs> <laughs> I did pick that up. So did you just watch said, oh, TV in, on folding chairs? We, no, we stood around. We just stood there looking, staring. It, it, it was like when, you remember when we go, used to visit our aunt and uncle in California? Mm-hmm. And our aunt would stand and watch QVC? For sure. She said, if, I, if I'm standing up, it's like I'm busy. I'm doing something. I'm not just sitting around watching TV. Uh, but really, it was the same amount of time doing the same activity. It was it was a lot like that. It was very bizarre and uncomfortable. And I, I may never stand for an extended period of time ever again. I uh, used to work standing up. I can tell you that you, the amount of energy and the health benefits from standing all day is so awesome. However, you have to be in shape to do it. Your knees lock and shit and your feet hurt. And you're like, you can't just, even people who are athletic, like, you can't just stand six hours a day at work. Like it, it, it hurts after a while. You get a good two hours a day, three hours a day, four hours a day, because it genuinely sucks it was a great reminder of why we bought a huge comfortable couch in the first place <laughs> absolutely so maybe we should do a dating game on people that show up in random pickup trucks and not delivery companies because somebody screwed somebody else yo those guys were awesome but it was very interesting seeing my truck just on the back my, my couch just on the back of a truck not like in a company van I was like, well okay i hope these guys are safe one of the guys jammed his finger in the door and he's like i wasn't wearing my gloves I thought well if only you had them they're sticking out of his pocket <laughs> But they got it in safe and sound. We got the couch. The couch uh, is all taken care of. And now I don't have to stand anymore, probably ever. Yeah, hopefully. That's, then that's the goal. We're recording this sitting down. Today we're doing an episode about dating. We're going to try to do one or two of these a year. Remember last year we did one, and it was much more about the history of relationships in the United States and matching and how things happen, for the most part, uh, more online now than they ever have. In this edition of The Dating Game, we're going to be talking about television relationships, and I mean reality TV. So we're going to talk about the most successful dating shows or shows about relationships, and that includes, and will probably not include on the successful side, the plural marriage that we've all been talking about on TikTok and Sister Wives, but we'll get to that in a second. First, we need to do an instant replay about 
using antiquated software to schedule the logistics of air travel in the United States because, lo, it was only a matter of days after we published our Southwest Airlines episode that the entire fucking system crashed. And so when it happened, Chris, my first thought was, oh, uh, terrorist attack, Russians, Chinese. Yeah, that, that's what you kind of assume. I, re- I read this book called uh, called The Perfect Weapon recently. It was by uh, Peter Singer. What a great name. And, uh, or Peter Singer? 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 Oh. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Great book. <laughs> and it, it, it sounded like that. It's like, oh, yeah, a terrorist attack or a, a state-sponsored cyber attack against the U.S. isn't going to be like everything shuts down all at once. Nobody has electricity. We can't do anything. There's no communication. And it's more like a huge, a whole system or like a whole organization is paralyzed for a day or a couple of days mm-hmm. or a few hours or, or, or something. Like like the Sony hack the North Koreans did yeah. all those years ago, all the constant low-level cyber warfare that goes on among great powers. I thought the same thing, kind of, and well, it's either that or somebody forgot to like change the floppy disk that probably holds the original <laughs> programming disk, on the yeah. FAA software. So, what one of our sayings on this show is, is, I don't know, I'm sure you stole this somewhere. Never attribute to malice what can be chalked up to incompetency. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's not an original, but we do live by that creed yeah. here, and we we really hope that people will give us that leeway. That's part of the reason <laughs> right, that right. we that we'd like to say that on the show. So we had a similar situation where I live and we'll get into the dating thing. just like to finish this up about this exact point where I live, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And right around the time that Russia invaded Ukraine. And for those of you that don't know, and aren't following the war, Ukraine is the breadbasket of the Eastern hemisphere for wheat and grain and things. That's where the shit is grown in Ukraine and Hungary, like the big plains there. So fertilizer is a huge deal. Also fertilizer plants. Oftentimes when you hear fertilizer plant in the United States, what they're making are bombs instead, or at least like the p- aspects that go into a bomb. They don't have, well, to there's, there's a lot of it. The- like a lot of explosives include the use of, of nitrates, yeah. like the chemical nitrates. Well, am- ammonium is part of a, a key part of the fertilizer process. Yes. The, the Bornhaber process is like a, a, a revolutionary agricultural phenomenon, but also it's like revolutionary for war making. Right. It's like it's kind of like Alfred Nobel. Yep. The dude invented dynamite, mm-hmm. also named for the for the peace prize. Yep. Like fertilizer is a lot like that. The same components and a lot of the same processes go into making explosives as do fertilizer. Right. So although those plants, when you hear it's like a nitrate plant, like, oh, it's a fertilizer plant. Like, yeah, it could be a bomb plant. We don't know. It caught on yep. fire where I live and it was not a protected situation. Wake Forest University, which is one of America's fine universities, it is a gorgeous campus, it is elite and hard to get into, Division One sports, all that, was within the blast zone. And for those of you that totally forgot that this happened in 2020, remember when Beirut essentially had a nuclear weapon go off? It was much bigger than that. So this was going to happen in my town. No one knew what was going on. This is, And remember, this is a fertilizer plant. Maybe it's genuinely fertilizer, and someone set it on fire to fuck with Ukraine. It totally could have happened. But then you also have to think, or... Maybe the workers are incompetent and they accidentally didn't put their cigarette out. Like it is 50-50. Are we under attack or is someone a moron? Yeah, the industry is very dangerous. And so there's a lot of like space for plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. And same thing when you have like a major issue, a major piece of infrastructure like the FAA communications software. Like because that's what happened. Like the software basically crashed. And I I forget what exactly the root cause analysis was, but it it was very bizarre seeing Southwest cancel all these flights, like tens of thousands of flights across the country. It backed up travel for hundreds of thousands of people for several days. And then after that, unrelated to any of this, the FAA, the entire FAA software Mm -hmm. just goes down and they cancel flights for like a whole day. Right. I mean, it's a, it was a disaster. Speaking of poor communication, let's segue to our topic of the episode. Which oh, that is, was good. That was yeah, smooth. appreciate that. Yeah, they don't need you need to update your software, like not having multiple marriages. So today we're talking about the dating game and and um, kind of television relationships and, and meeting people in public and kind of putting your love on display, as it were. And that is going to mean a couple of shows that we're going to break down. We'll talk about Love Is Blind. We're talking about Ninety Day Fiance, The Bachelor. And we're going to talk about Sister Wives. So the first thing I want to get into is to explain how all of these shows kind of work. And Chris, which of those have you watched a season of? So I've seen A Season of Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen 90 Day Fiance, but like the old 90 Day Fiance. I'm talking like the in the mid-2010s yeah. with, uh, with Big Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to the Philippines and has a terrible time. Yeah. And his fiance is like the worst. That was, when, that was when it was in his prime, man. That was good. Yeah, that was like... That was like Contact with the ball, full swing. Mm-hmm. So I watched. I, I watched a lot of. I, I mostly watched a lot of like clips, like compilation clips mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff on, on TLC. I wasn't you know, watching the program. Uh, I have only seen one episode of The Bachelor, and it was a really embarrassing uh, experience because I watched it in college with my uh, my section in my dorm. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to have like a sister dorm mm-hmm. watch event, and they were so uncomfortable with the atmosphere we created in hosting that uh, that all they they all left. 
oh. women left wow. after like the first commercial break. What a yeah, ladies' man. It was not a good look. Not a good look for us. And as the as the the RA in the section, it was it was a low point. But you know what? We rallied. We finished the episode, and then we went and watched football. It was yeah. awesome. Well, hey, you you. I guess you gave it a good effort. You, all you can do is get out there every day and try to get a little better, watch some film, and uh, and see what happened. Okay, so. Get and pucks then, deep, get pucks to the net, and uh, oh, wins some hockey, hockey games. games. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, as you know. Sister Wives. We, we've been talking off camp. Yeah, I've been watching Sister Wives. <laughs> not by choice, but now it's it's a very, very much Stockholm Syndrome thing. Like, no. I didn't want to do this. Sure. I was talked into this by friends. I mentioned this, I think, on the last episode. Friends of ours told us that seasons 1 through 16 walked, so 17 could run. Mm. They were absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. We watched season 17. I thought, my God, we need to see the backstory of this. And so then we went back and started watching from the beginning. Neither of us, my partner and I, neither of us watched any of this before. And so seeing this, like, family fall apart not in real time it was like a year and a half delay this a lot of the stuff happened at the end of 2021 but seeing that and then contrasting it with the pilot when they're like wow we're so excited we're about to get a brand new wife our family's about to grow this is so wonderful we're here to tell the world how great polygamy is like it's just it's jarring it's just shocking to see how different things were so i've been watching that and i think we're caught up through now season i don't know 10 11 you're re-watching it Oh, oh, straight up. It's it's constantly because it's it's a it's the perfect background thing because you can disengage yeah. from it. Like most of it's the same. But then there are like seminal events and we'll talk about some of the seminal events that we're looking for oh, like yeah. like we're asking like okay, when do they start changing their style? Like they become much less modest throughout the show. You yep. notice that. They stop talking about religion a lot and and wh- like what's the where where are the seminal events that like precipitate them just like not really caring about religion as much anymore toward the end where can we start to see the fissures form between husband and wife in in terms of like their individual relationships and then like the 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 relationships between the sister wives very very strange and really what it comes down to is to to spoil the analysis basically every single problem they have throughout the show every single one with the exception of like medical problems, mm-hmm. every single problem is caused by the fact that they are in a plural marriage, and it's a system issue. Yeah, and they're like the whole time they're like, oh yeah, no, people just don't understand. Like, well, no, I do understand. Like, I'm watching this. I'm watching this happen. Like, that's it. This is caused by the system in which the events are occurring. Yeah, and I think so. I've seen that show. Yeah, so I have. I have. I have. I've been aware of the show for a long time. I was an OG, and like I watched like the first season years ago and it was like oh this is crazy these polygamists because we grew up we grew up in wyoming which is really kind of close to where they are ish relative it's all relative but well, like, the, the the husband cody brown is from lovell yeah he's one of us kind of which is a it's a creepy little place in wyoming um yes. people that live there are nice but it's, it's you get so off it's off the beaten path you got to want to be there you don't stumble into level okay so no you don't 90 Day Fiance and Sister Wives are kind of documentary style. It's not a game. There are no stakes. It's just let's, let's watch and see what happens. The other two, Love is Blind and The Bachelor, they are games and there are stakes. And I think stakes is the overarching theme here for people that put this stuff on display. Now, I want to give TLC as much credit as I possibly can for their two documentary style shows because it very much started as a, like, let's see what the fuck this is about. And then it became like an overproduced reality TV show. They're like, oh, this is weird now. Like 90 Day Fiance, I am an early, early, early... not even adopter, but investigator of um, a phenomenon called like mail order brides, right? The idea that you can write to Russia or the Philippines and find a a female spouse. It's mostly male. You're you're an early investigator. I really got, so I found a, like a, I am an OG on Netflix. Where where did that, where'd that come from? The Netflix. What's your motivation there? Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. So I'll tell you. Okay. So this, this is a throwback. This is a throwback for us. All right. Do you remember when we used to go bowling? I think about this all the time. Yes, that guy who I don't know. I don't know who that guy was. Right. I don't think we ever saw him again. Right. But we knew a guy who had a mail order bride from yeah. Russia. And I'll tell you what, that guy was the handsiest man I have ever seen yes. in public. Yes. And it's like, like, we're like, we're bowling here, man. Like, you got to keep your, you got to keep your ball. Hand and we clean. were like 12, maybe. Yes. It was weird. Yeah. Like yeah, we were, weird. we were like actual, like genuine children. And this guy was like straight up groping his mail order Russian bride in the bowling alley. And like now that I, now that I'm saying about it, like I've had years to think about, it, it makes perfect sense. Yes. It, it fits so exactly with the time and place that we were yep. and the activity that we were doing. Totally. It just like, you know what it's like there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, so I, it's not really that out of place, but man, I think about that all the time. So there is a documentary on Netflix and I, before Netflix became Netflix and they started making original content and they were ha- like, they licensed everything. They didn't have any movies, but they had all shows and they had a bunch of documentaries that were terrible documentaries in that they didn't have a thesis. They were very boring movies right now. Documentaries like, yeah, have here are some things that are happening, right? Like facts, like journalism. Yeah. And one of them was uh, a really short documentary about. 90 day like the 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 k-1 visa process for for people for women mostly coming to the united states and then there was a really well produced one that just came out at that time that was like well what's the process like because there are companies that charge you per message like you have to you have to spend like five bucks to email these people and they go through a media so people are getting paid the documentary is about men going to other parts of the country to find women and it is really touching in some relationships. It's really sad in other relationships. And then in some relationships, it's really reflective of like, well, this person is just really lonely or this person in Russia is just really scared. And there are some, there were two marriages for, for women from Eastern Europe to come over to America that worked out in really great ways. And you're like, this is kind of amazing, actually, that this happened. And like, really? clearly this man wanted a wife, not like a sex toy or like he wasn't lonely. Like, this is a really That's- great thing. That's twice as many as I would have ever expected it, on any of those shows. It was amazing. And it, but this was a documentary. So then this documentary, wow. this phenomenon becomes the show. So then the show happens, right? And now there are stakes and stuff. But then even watching the show, you're like, well, these... So when, when my wife and I watch the show, we try to evaluate the two factors, right? One is, are, they in, are, there, are their problems genuine relationship problems? Or are their problems like they're not meant to be together problems? Like, are they trying to be together? Or is this like a, for the TV show? Like, if they're fighting about shit that normal people fight about, it's like, oh, well, they have a shot. And the second thing is, and this is the most important one, are they as hot as each other? That is a huge, yes. huge factor. And, and one of the ways that I think, like, the Netflix-style game show type, like like the Love is Blind right, we'll and the that. Love yeah. Island and the... This and uh, another one that we're not going to talk about in in too much depth, but that I've seen is uh, Married at First Sight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about all those shows is they're in a genre of what I like to call how are ultra wealthy hot people entertaining themselves in exotic locations today? Yeah. Sure. And it's it, 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 there's there's other like non love type game shows like The Mole is a perfect example I of that. that. People love that. It's a real it, it, it it's really good. Yeah. It's really good intrigue. It's basically like a huge party game except that the players are all as I said ultra hot. They're all pretty wealthy. They're well they're well to do or they're like making a name for themselves and they are just like playing games with each other in like Australia. They go all over the place in Australia like in the city and they go to these cool Oh, that's like, cool. scuba diving locations. They do all these like fun activities. And it's basically just like a gigantic vacation but the whole time they're like can I trust this person? Is he the mole? Am I the mole? And it's 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 ridiculous. Like y- you would love to do that kind of thing, but the problem that everybody has, except for the people on the show, is that we're just not hot enough. Yeah, like, we're just not good. Lo- like, like I-, I won't spoil it, but like one of the one of the guys looks exactly like Thor. One of the guys looks exactly like that dude from uh, from Black Panther. Uh, the guy from like the bad tribe. Yeah. Yeah, Mbaku. Mbaku, yeah. I've only seen yeah. Black Panther. I have not what, seen what's that guy's name? I don't know. That, guy, that guy's awesome. It's I like gr- Benedict something. Honestly, remembering, na- remembering names from Marvel is a step I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to take. Having seen five or six movies is honestly a pretty big win for, for me and you, and I, I would appreciate some recognition on that. Ant-Man Quantumania comes out February 17th. I will not be watching Ant-Man. I have seen Black Panther. I've seen two Avengers. I've seen both Guardians of the Galaxy. I've seen Doctor Strange. I've seen Iron Man 1 and 2, which is... Again, I'm not a Marvel that's guy. A I'm kind of an anti-Marvel guy. That's, and that's pretty. That's not bad. You're an anti-Marvel guy. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to try to sell it to you because I got to be honest. It's getting hard to vouch for them anymore. Yeah. Just too much content. Like you, you watch the Groot Children special? No. No. I'm going to watch the the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> holiday episode. No. No. I'm not watching. I, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Well, the, the, Wolf the, by Night. I don't know what that is. I remember very much. Uh, just an aside here, and I guess this kind of segues into what we're talking about and why the reality stuff works so well like i remember as a kid very much being so angry every time i walked out of the theater for for three years there because you would have harry potter like in november and then you would have lord of the rings in december and be like i have to wait a year and then it would come and you'd be so excited because like there's a new lord of the rings a new harry potter we'll go to the movies at christmas time and so waiting that helps and marvel's like hey every four months let's just drop something dude i, I financially can't afford to watch this shit in theaters actually so well, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is on Disney Plus, so yeah, you have to better. have a subscription to watch a lot of that anyway, and a lot of it's long form shows, so it makes it feel even like there's even more content. And it's like I, homework, I did yeah. see it. I did see an article recently. It was like, hey, you know, executives have realized like there's too much stuff here. Like they're reevaluating. They're they're in phase four now, and they're going to start phases five and six. And they're like 
people are saying like they're kind of going back to the drawing board for like writing the shows and, and the movies and stuff because like there's just too much crap. The, people are losing us, interest. We're not getting new audience members. Right. Like you have to you have to have a formula of quality more than quantity. And uh, with the whole Disney Plus marriage, like they went away from that. Yeah, which they should. Like that kind of you know to, to take it back to to the dating stuff. That's kind of the same thing here. Once Ninety Day Fiance was such a big hit in its first couple seasons, they started to do reverse Ninety Day Fiance. So <clears throat> we were talking about reverse. Well, like what, what do you get? Like they it's go like to the, the other last country. Ninety days of a failing marriage. No, the, oh, they go to the other country. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what Ninety Day Fiance is. The reason it's called Ninety Day Fiance is if you're in a relationship with someone who's traveling to the United States. Uh, for the purpose of seeing you in a romantic relationship, they have 90 days to become engaged or that person needs to go home. Your visa. It's like a, it's like it's like a, a K- legal requirement. Yes. Thing. So it's the K-1 yeah. visa and the visa means that you either are here to get married or you're pulling the wool over our eyes and the government and it's infinite wisdom was like, yeah, three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all the more time you need. Right. So in, in many cases for these things, it's, it's um, the people have been dating for some time. So there have been a couple of relationships, and I mean, we can, I guess we can highlight in detail some of them, but there have been relationships where oftentimes they meet on vacation. There have been a couple religious missions who meet someone. The other thing that my wife and I notice is that if the person who's American is attempting to or knows the language of the other person, they work out. Which is, yeah, like, that's, that's part of being in a relationship. It's like, oh, well, that person is sacrificing. And oftentimes they're like, They've, it's really been really interesting to watch them like speak into Google Translate and then show them and then the other person speaks to Google Translate. Like, well, you're getting married and you're trying to have kids. Like, why don't fucking learn Portuguese, bro? I don't... Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Right. It just, like, you, you gotta wonder, like, is it just the exotic nature of the other person? Are you, like, are you like weirdly doing some yes. kind of nativist fetishizing of, right. of this person? That's you think, like, oh, this will translate into a lifetime of happiness. That's why I love the show. So what's really interesting to me is that the ones that are really boring and just, like, are actually trying to get married and, like, it's a documentary, they don't really end up on other editions of the show. <laughs> they're, like... <laughs> Right. The show's like, oh, well, they're happy. Fuck those guys. So let's find some people that where there's some drama. And then the people with the drama, again, is this normal couple drama? Or is this like sh- the underlying unspoken thing here is the person, the man or the woman, oftentimes both, because um, it does both different kinds of relationships. I don't know the off the top of my head if there's been any sort of queer or gay relationships. I'm sure that there have, but I don't remember, recall them recently. But yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't stick out in my mind. Yeah, me, me either, actually, which is a whole thing that we could probably investigate at some point. But... I'm sure plenty of plenty of other player three. If you're listening to this, there are other podcasts who have done this sort yeah, of thing better right. than we have. We would love for you to listen to the entire episode, recommend it to them, and have them <laughs> yeah. prepare notes for us. Yeah, set us straight. That'd be totally fine with me. We'll have them yes, on. We can get yelled at. Uh, so the underlying thing is that the person that's not American wants to get to America and become American. Which, if you get married, you're kind of grandfathered in in certain ways, and if you have a kid, you're super grandfathered in. So that that's like the underlying thing. And the parents are like they just want to be American, and the woman's like. I love this person. There's no men in my country. They're all dead or dying. So I would love to find someone that enjoys me. And then there's like this underlying thing of like, I have all the power in the relationship because I'm allowing you to be American. And so it's, it's a really fascinating kind of thing. And this, this was all addressed in the original documentary that I watched. I really like this one. 90 Day Fiance couples stay together at the highest rate of any sort of reality TV show. And I have, that has led to my hypothesis of all of these dating reality TV shows and low, all of the, all just dating in general. When the stakes and the time equate to something reasonable, it's not a problem for them to stay together. So when we juxtapose this with The Bachelor and with Love is Blind, the show has like a, 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 an end point that is marriage. When we look at um, married at first sight, like, well, you're here to get married. And so in America, because we have a lot of Judeo-Christian values and marriage is you know, a status symbol for, for decades— this country takes being married way more seriously than most other like Western civilization countries, I would argue. So people get freaked out about marriage, right? So the people yes. in the 90 day fiance, like you're in America, you've been dating or talking for years. You're, you're in a real relationship for the most part. Like you're communicating about stuff. There are stakes and those stakes have been clear to you for, for years often. So you know what's going on. Like, you understand, like, this is about marriage. We're here. When you're in a game show, like The Bachelor or, like, Love is Blind, and you're like, fuck, we got to get married now? This is yes. intense. Like, that's a lot. Like, who, the prenup, where are we going to live? What's going to happen? So we, it's the same thing for, uh, for sister wives, which is, like, the stakes here are big. Like, this is, like, there are children. There are things happening. So for me, the reason that these game shows don't work out is because marriage is the goal. And I'll tell you. In the most recent season of, of Love is Blind, which is a fascinating concept, we'll dive into that in a second. 
It is, yeah. There were multiple marriages or relationships that started, but they didn't end in marriage. That they were like, no, we're not going to... Uh-huh. They call off the wedding, and then they find out in the reunion, they're like, well, we're dating. It's like, that's totally fucking reasonable that you met someone this way, and you're willing to date. It's also unreasonable for Netflix. It's like, you got to make a decision in six weeks. Like, uh, what? No, bro. I don't know where I want to go on vacation in six weeks. I don't... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I think I think I do think the most extreme example of this is the Married First Sight show we mentioned. Like, we we, did, we said we weren't going to talk about this, but I I did just look this up just to see because the stakes theory I think does play itself out here quite well. So according to Insider earlier this month, fifty nine couples have met each other at the altar. So so like the premise of the show, I don't know if you knew this. The premise of the show is that these like psychologists get together the with matchmakers. People. Yeah. Yes, I've seen I've seen a season. Yeah, they don't meet each other right. until, like, the moment of the wedding. They're, like, at, at the wedding, sight. and that's the first time they actually witness the other person. And according to the, this Insider article, 59 couples have been on the show so far in a few seasons. And 13 of them are married. That means 46 out of 59 of these couples ended in divorce. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. They have to get married within moments. Like it's it's not even like hours; it's minutes of yeah. meeting each other. They make that decision. It's like you can't all, all the all the psychologizing and the matchmaking, and all that kind of stuff. Like it's no, it, it, there's no way it's better than chance. There's no. no way it's better than just like throwing darts at a dartboard and like, oh yeah, what wouldn't you know it? One, a few of these couples actually hit, and it's because the stakes are so high. I wonder. Right. I don't know if any of them are dating, but it's just you know. The, the, the premise of the show is, is very, it's like the most extreme example right. of like taking this logic of like, oh yeah, short amount of time, high pressure, high stakes, what's going to happen? Like, well, you know exactly what's going to happen. Right. And the, the, the thing that bums me out about that is that like matchmaking, I think is a really great thing. And I think it works out in a lot of cultures. Netflix also has a show, I think it's called Indian Matchmaker, which is I think in India or for Indian Americans or in, in Indian uh, like second generation immigrants to the Western world. I haven't watched it, but I know that it's an Indian culture from like India. Um, and there's a matchmaker that sets people up with different people and they see how it works and, and whatnot. Matchmaking is the thing that's worked um, for centuries in different cultures. It's also obviously rooted in like some weird sexual transactional kind of shit. But as we, you know, we age out of... I don't, I don't care if that's how they consolidated power in ancient Rome. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the office, right? Yeah, 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 that's when, uh, yeah. when when Dwight's like suggests like, oh, Michael and I are going to say, like, oh no, I don't care if that's how they consolidated power in ancient Rome because you don't want to be like with the the regional manager right. and the ARM, right? <laughs> yeah, so like it's exactly they these these and you see these traditions are kind of coming back now because people are kind of yep. over the online thing, which we will talk about in another episode of the dating yes. game as we allow the data to ferment, but the the married at first sight thing it starts the opening part of the show. There's a sequence that says. This is like one of the greatest experiments in the history of humanity. Like, well, actually, like after 20 years, we have quite a bit of data on your experiment and it's really bad. Yeah, it's it's actually not one of the greatest experiments in the history of humanity. Like, it's not even one of the most great experiments, most interesting experiments in this genre of TV. Right. 100%. So let's talk about Love is Blind. Love is Blind works as follows. They go into cities. It was two years in Chicago, one year in Dallas. And I think um, I don't know, they're going to do other places because it's been such a successful TV they show. They were casting in DC uh, this last year. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and so we're going to get a lot of like, a lot oh. of corporate bros, a lot of consultants, a lot of people that jerk themselves off over like, oh my God, the public servant or yeah. just believe in public service. And you're going to get a lot of people How who are work. like very hot and read um, like book talk books. And they're like, I'm just so bookish and very <laughs> peculiar because I read these award-winning books all the time. I think that, um, yeah, I... I really like the Dallas one because it shows that a lot of these shows don't accurately represent people's Christian beliefs and like uh, how important religion is in this country. But the one in Dallas, like they were all very religious. Even the Jewish woman was like, Judaism is a huge part of my life. Like, oh, well, this is actually something we don't really see on TV a lot. This is kind of interesting to see like America can watch like being Christian is super important to these people. Anyway, so the way that love is blind. I think think that's going to be for the the record. I think that's going to become like another like curiosity cabinet type deal. Like there's always been like a little bit of fascination. And that's a big factor of like love is blind or not love is blind. uh, Sister wives. Right. 
they, they like religion plays a, an important factor there. And I think there's a little bit of like morbid curiosity for people who have not lived in and among highly Mormon areas right. to be like, Oh my God, this is so curious. Right. Like, did you know the Mormons used to believe in polygamy, but now they don't. Right. So there's, there's like a little bit of like, I don't want to say like human zoo, like that's too extreme an example, but like the fact that religion plays an important role in these people's lives. I think that's a, that's a turn on for the show. Cause people are going to go, Oh yes, look at this, look at this curious thing. And, so I think that's going to be a more important factor as these shows gain more popularity and as more of them become, yeah, more of them come to into the lines of production for different streaming services. I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, so Love is Blind, here are the rules. Here are the rules. The way it works is they go and they get, I don't know, it feels like 50 or so people. And what they do is they separate the men and the women. All of the people are looking for like a hetero relationship and they put them in these rooms where they can communicate pretty intimately. I think it's mic'd up a little bit and the walls are thin and, and whatnot. There's, there's like a there's like a paper wall between them. Like they can see the silhouette of the yeah. other person through the wall. So yeah. it's like love is like love has uh, I, I don't know a detached retina or two. <laughs> yeah, love that's has, exactly uh, yeah, macular so. degeneration. So then they spend hours. Essentially, their job for a couple of weeks is to go into these pods and just like date a bunch of people blindly. And what ends up happening is of those fifty, they narrow it down and like three, four, five, six, seven or so kind of pair off. And they're like, okay, we want to take this outside here and to take it outside like they want you to get engaged like that's the point like there's going to be a wedding the company produces the wedding it's at a venue of their selection that i'm sure paid a ton of money to be on the show uh so, so they can advertise for the for for the, the business of weddings which is just racketeering and it's, it's like oh for, you can book a photographer for a hundred dollars an hour or for a wedding it's fifteen thousand dollars an hour yeah unbelievable unbelievable so they do all of this and then they get at the altar then like the person has to like agree is love blind and then they say no or no yes at the altar like it's very dramatic and it's a whole thing but the show to me is really fascinating because half of it is smutty reality tv and half of it is like this is kind of these people aren't so hot that it's weird like the bachelor like those are instagram models this is not that these are real people they're just pretty attractive um, I, don't, I don't, well, yeah, I guess everything's relative, but yeah, they're like, not, they're it, not, I would say they're much more, clo they're much closer to normal than a lot of the other shows for sure. Yeah. Well, the, the fact that the show is like one of these overproduced, yeah. like gorgeous shots of like the surrounding environment and they, and they go on these really elaborate dates too, that make it seem just like a lot classier than it is. So like that's sure. working in favor of the contestants on the show. Right. And like for the record, they are contestants. They're not couples. I mean, right. Yeah. The, the, well, that's exactly, we'll talk about that right now. So in, in, in the view of yours truly, like this is in fact a game. Right. Right. And well, they, so we'll talk about that right now. So the idea is that you want to be attracted to someone based on their voice and who they are and what they have to say. And, uh, are they are things pairing up that way? And then you meet each other and you get engaged, right? Uh, after the show, like, I've chosen this person, let's get married. And then they meet each other and then they leave this little pod environment to go kind of live together and meet each other's family. So you, it's not as crazy as married as first sight where you meet each other at the altar, but you do have like a month to get married after you leave the warehouse of pods, right? So at that point, that's when they sort of start to settle in and they live together and they, they vibe a little bit. And you're like, this has the vibe of couples that are moving in together for the first time, still kind of feeling each other out. But then there's this huge wedding coming up, which is a wedding. It is a marriage. And a lot of the couples are like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And most of the time the families are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is, you're screwing around now. This is a real wedding. Just don't do it. And in the most recent season, there were a couple couples that were like having real relationship fights like there was one where she wanted to kind of be financially taken care of and she was ready to move in and like he's gonna earn money well he's like i gotta go to grad school and he's going to grad school in california not in texas like well you can't expect him to do that and he's like i'm not gonna give up on grad school but like but also you're a pretty good couple you should just stay together and they did they didn't get married they called it off and on the on the the reunion like yeah we actually been together this whole time since since filming stopped it's like oh that's a fucking reasonable way for this to end not at the wedding of him like oh, i want to call off my super th important thing as a nigerian immigrant i want my nigerian culture taken care of and she's like well i need someone with a jelly maybe you guys should just stay together for a year and a half and let's see what happens after grad school like, yes so this when the stakes are lower like oh actually the show is more fascinating to me as with marriage not being the end i would follow them that'd be great yeah, d dating is a 60 to 85% solution. Marriage is going whole hog. And, like, right. sometimes it's better to not just dive in. And, you know, I, I think anybody who watches the show would realize, like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, of course, this isn't going to work out right. every single time. And, like, it, of course, it's, it might be better for people to just date and feel each other out and, like, get their lives on track before they go into marriage and settling down. So I, I think it's an interesting concept. But, like, 
there's also some very strange relationships and it feels like it's very much just like trying to draw eyes like some of the one of the couples that pairs off is in in the in the season that I watched they they obviously had a lot in common the guy is very interested in really fit women the woman is a really fit like she's like a fitness instructor right and it's like okay that's fine that's a good it, you know that you know, more power to you but there's one part where they're still in the pods they hadn't seen each other yet but like you could see the silhouette of the other person through the wall and this guy is telling this like heartfelt story about like his mom like getting sick and dying and she's in the other room doing jumping jacks yeah yeah she's like working out in the middle of this and it's like in any other circumstances, if anybody ever tried to do that, I would probably never speak to that person again. Like, like this is somebody who is childish and like their 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 interests do not align with mine. But they're both really hot, so yes. well, you know, yeah. we gotta right. make this work. Like, you want to go on vacation in tropical islands or not? Right. You well, get, go to nice parties and like have get drunk and you know celebrate with our other contestants. I mean, our other friends or not. <laughs> Yeah, and the well, the thing that's really nasty about this show and makes it a reality, smutty reality TV. Like, if Netflix would pick a lane, if you, if you're gonna make a smutty, make a smutty. If you're gonna make it like a reality show, like do not eat. That's the thing about Netflix. They they've made it clear that they're never gonna pick a lane. They're yeah. just gonna go every, all lanes, all lanes at all times. We don't care right. what kind of car wrecks result as a result of that. Like quality doesn't matter. Just flood the market, and then oh no, people are fleeing. We have to pay for ads now. Like well, now you've just become cable town. Right, which is a great 30 Rock reference, of course. So before we get to Sister Wives, I just kind of want to point out a couple things. The first is that not a lot of the Love is Blind couples are still together, um, shockingly, as a married couple. There are a couple of people rumored to be dating, which makes a ton of sense because the stakes, again, are too high and you get freaked out. You're like, what the fuck is this? So The Bachelor, not a lot of them are still together either. However, on Bachelor and Bachelorette marriages, they last much longer than you'd think that they last. Oftentimes years and years. There aren't a ton that are still together. I think that JoJo, the singer, and Aaron Rodgers' brother are still married. If there are some that work out, when they get divorced, it's after 10 years. Like, okay, that's actually like, a 10-year marriage is successful by a lot of metrics compared to the whole throng of people that get married. That's not bad. Well, ever. Everything is relative. Right, that's what I'm saying. Relative sure, to Love is Blind, where they, they get it annulled because, like, holy shit, this was a scary mistake. Like, The Bachelor makes more sense to me. And the reason I think that they have even more success is despite the dating multiple people at one time and being contestants and being too hot and being, like, essentially boozed up on purpose for the sake of our audience, which is a gross part of this, by the way. They just Alcohol is just perpetually flowing in all oh, of these shows, man. which is, like, kind of, like, that's dirty behavior. Anyway, they spend a lot more time together. Even if all this other shit is happening, it's not a six-week thing like Love is Blind. It's like a months-long thing. And then you have yes. all this stuff after the show. Like, okay, you kind of dated this person for nine months. You've dated other people for nine months. But, like, this is a much more reasonable amount of time. Remember, time and stakes are the thing for these TV shows. Okay, so that's my opinion of why The Bachelor is a little bit more successful than these other ones. Is because, like, at least they're in the same place. They're traveling together. They're around each other. Like, this is a much... They're kind of really dating in a way that this these other contestancy shows are not, like... Married at First Sight was such a brilliant idea. It's clearly awful now. Like, we know that it fucking sucks. Like, that is awful. So, let's work. move into the man of the hour, which is Cody. What is, what's his name? The plural. Cody Brown. Cody Brown. Wow. So, Cody Brown, he had two wives, and the first episode, he was adding a third. Is that right? No. So, he had three wives already of, okay. of, of, of like, a long time. Like, okay. he'd been married. To, so, he originally got married to a woman named Mary. Okay. Uh, M-E-R-I, so it must be like Meredith or something. Mm -hmm. uh, they got married, and then uh, very shortly after that, he got married to a woman named Janelle. And they lived together for a while in Wyoming, and they didn't get along, actually. They got first. married, and then they hated each other? Yes, they hated oh, okay. each other. Like, And it was like, like very just different personalities, and it's like, you know, if they were married to two different men, lived in different households, and lived different lives, this wouldn't be a problem, but they were not. They were oh. married to the same man, living in the same home. Yes. So... To kind of like assuage the situation, to kind of uh, bring balance to the force, I guess, Cody sought another woman named Christine and married her. So now they had three of them together. And they and they kind of moved around. They moved to Utah shortly after that. And for like year, like 15 or 20 years, he was, you know, depending on which wife you're asking about, they were married. And the first episode of the show, which aired in 2008, I mm -hmm. think, that sounds right. Yeah, it was like around yeah. when I was in high school. Yeah. yeah, it was late 2000s. On the first episode of the show, they did the same thing that many successful sitcoms do, 
and they brought in a new character. Love it. Uh, the fourth wife, whose name is Robin. Robin. So Cody Brown is married to Mary, Janelle, Christine, and Robin. And man, a lot of stuff happens over the course of the show. They have 18 children together. Obviously. Uh, ranging uh, ranging uh, uh, all, all over the place. I mean, uh, they, they had their, uh, their youngest child in, I want to say, 2016. So very young so kids. That means there's at least one the couple that has more than four kids, if I'm doing math correctly here. Yes, so I think Mary has one, and and so Mar- Mary had some fertility problems for, and that that plagued oh, them. That was I'm like, sure that yeah, that didn't from lead the to start. A bunch of, yeah, oh yeah. So then Janelle had six, Christine had six, and Robin had six. Now Robin, I, I will say, Robin had three children from a previous marriage that she brought into the family, and Cody legally married later. But that was a whole big to do because he was only legally married to one woman at a time. Yeah, so he obviously. was married to Mary legally. And the others were just what they called spiritual marriages. Very, very uh, strange difference in like how the marriages were treated too. So like Mary was just, that was just a straight up marriage. That was just two people getting right. married. Big whole thing. Didn't have a celebration for Janelle. Didn't have mm. a celebration for Christine. In fact, they were like, oh yes, well, we live in fear because the outside world hates us. And so we didn't really have a big wedding. I was like, well, or yeah, or maybe Cody just didn't want to do the work. Yeah. But then Robin had a big celebration. It was on television. The whole thing was like, it was like a big family to do, big get together. So already she's treated differently. Uh, so then he had three kids with, uh, with Robin. And so they have 18 or no, he had two kids with Robin. He had 18 children all told. Right. Uh, at one point in the middle of the show. So about 2015, 2016 timeframe for a long period of time, Cody's first wife, uh, was catfished. She was catfished. What? Some, I don't know, some super fan of the show, some woman uh, named something. She goes by J-O on the internet forums. It's like J... I, I don't... I, Jerk I off, got it. Yes, very much so. She, like, stalked these people and, like, made an online persona of a man and basically had, like, an emotional relationship with Mary all online. And so, so like... All, all I, I said earlier on, the thesis that I have about the show is that every single problem that they have that isn't medical, every single problem they have is caused by the fact that, that they, are, they are in a polygamous relationship. All right, so let's fast forward to the end where they're all living in Arizona and the family falls apart, right? Because on TikTok, we know that it's yep. going viral. This is falling the fuck apart. So fast forward, update me on the drama. I've heard the family has fallen apart and he is now not legally married to anyone and only has one wife. Is that true? So no, so that's not true. So he is legally married to Robin. Now that that's one of the one of the things that happens in like 2015. His original legal wife Mary got a divorce with him so that he could legally marry Robin, the youngest, the uh the, the, the hot most one, sure. fertile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one he hasn't been married to Shocking. for like 20 years. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. yeah. So she now who's clearly the favorite wife can be his legal wife. And that makes it easier for them to adopt her three children from another marriage that fell mm-hmm. apart. And like the, the, the other husband sounds like a total piece of crap. And sure. so they, that happens in like 2015, I think. And so he is now legally married to Robin, but I'll give you the status of, of what happened with, with all of these. Okay. So his first wife, Mary in season 17, Cody basically just outright says like, yeah, I have no interest in having any kind of relationship with her. And you can see it falling apart. Yeah. You can see he's resentful of the fact that she doesn't give him a lot of children. And he's the kind of guy who doesn't, he doesn't want to be a father to a lot of children. He wants to just say he has a lot of children. Right. He's very good Great. with young kids because Lovely. they like, they adore him and they're cute and they're, you know, they're high maintenance, but that's for the women to do the work. Like mm-hmm. he can be like, oh yes, I'm admired as the pater familias. And so <laughs> he loses his relationship with a lot of his older kids because they realize like, oh, this guy sucks. He's a loser. So... Right, so Mary can't provide him with a lot of young kids, so that resentment starts uh, pretty early on. That and the fact that he and his second wife got along swimmingly, but his first wife and second wife didn't like each other. So that already sets Mary apart. And then, like, they move across the uh, across the West throughout the show. So, like, at, in season two, they had to leave Lehigh, Utah, like thieves in the night. Like, genuinely, like they're like, the state of Utah has seen our show. They've seen us openly flouting the law and now we have to leave or we're going to get prosecuted yeah so they like packed up their shit in the night and like drove to vegas and they moved to las vegas the difference is in utah they lived in one gigantic home it was built by polygamists for polygamists they bought it and they had like wives living in different there's basically like big apartments within this one family home. sure like yeah in vegas they couldn't do that so they had these shitty rentals for the first year or so 
And then they built these big houses in their own cul-de-sac. And like they, they're like, oh, we don't want to use the C word. It's not a compound. But it's a fucking compound. They're in a walled-in <laughs> cul-de-sac with four neighboring houses and nobody else lives there. Wow. Like, yeah, dog, it's a compound. So, but the thing is, Mary, who had one child who was very, who, she was one of the, one of the eldest children and she eventually went off to college and like left the house. Mary wanted a house the same size as the other women who all had like six kids to raise. So uh, they had to build the same size houses and she's like, well, it's not fair that like, just cause these women have, have other children, that, that doesn't mean I should get less of a share. So it's like, what is equal is equal, equal, or yeah. is like proportionate equal. So then she lives in this big empty house when her daughter leaves and she's like, I feel like I'm alone. Well, if she had a husband with her, Mm -hmm. wasn't dividing his time four ways already, then she probably would feel differently. So did they it all leave him for different, different reasons? Was it not like, okay, you all suck. We've all like, like let's, let's run the divorce play. Ready, go. Or did they, they all, all like, actually we, individually, we all hate you. And I don't care what this other wife is doing. Just fuck you. Goodbye. Uh, it was kind of a mixture of both of those things. So each, yeah, yeah. All, all happy families are, are unhappy like in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, all unhappy families are unhappy, are in, their unhappy in their own. Yep. Yep. So same story here, even though it's the same yep. family. Allegedly. Totally. Yeah. So Mary left him because of longstanding resentment that probably stems from the fact that she didn't give him a bunch of kids. They had such awkward relationships. Mary got catfished and had an emotional relationship. Cody's like, there's no emotional relationship here. And nobody in his shoes would say that unless they didn't give a shit about the emotions. Of At that point, she's like an emotional wife. captive. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. Very, very bizarre. And so... She left him on January 10th, 2023. They released a joint statement. The couple released a joint statement saying their marriage was over. Well, legally it was over years before. Now yeah. they're saying like, oh yeah, we're going to be amicable and we're going to be friends and blah, blah, blah. Mary said, uh, she posted on Instagram later, today I reclaim my power. Mm. So that's not good. That's not, that's not a good sign. Uh, but so after like 30 years, they got wow. married, they got married in 1990. Jesus. And uh, yeah, so that, that relationship's over. The second wife, Janelle, uh, they got married in January of 93. So okay. like shortly after, you know, it, it was, it wasn't three full years after. So he had been polygamizing for like a decades. Oh yeah. The yeah. So they, they'd, yeah. yeah, they'd, they'd been, you know, he'd been married to Mary and Janelle for, I don't know, something like 16 and 17 years respectively wow. when they started. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a long time. Uh, it was, it was quite a little bit. Uh, Janelle had some problems where she was like, she kind of had like this crisis of faith in later episodes, but in season 17, you can witness their relationship fall apart, like in real time. Uh, they lacked wow. any kind of physical intimacy. He was not really physically intimate with any of them except for Robin, right? Uh, the, the youngest, freshest one, so to speak. Jesus, that's and, true. That's gross, but it's true. Yeah. And so, uh, what really I think happened was that the other marriage, the third marriage Chris, to Christine, that fell apart in real time on the show. And, and it was like, it was dramatic because she's the only one on camera to have said, I'm leaving Cody. The uh, other ones happened like shortly after and as a result of, and you can see it leading up to like, uh -huh. the, okay, clearly Janelle is going to leave this guy. But the fact that Christine, the third wife left him that like kind of precipitated everything else and, and all the other, all the other fallings out. Uh, Christine has a, a, an interesting dynamic because she is like, like throughout the show, you can really watch her kind of grow up emotionally. She, uh, a lot, a lot of these women were raised in like a polygamous environment. It wasn't like, Oh right. yeah, I'm stepping into something new. And that's one of the, the shticks of the show is like, they try to like everybody they interview and like the people, like the shopkeepers they meet and like the students they meet on campus when their kids go to college, are like, Oh my God, have you ever seen a polygamist before? Mm -hmm. But that's what they only ask that question when the family's not actively falling apart, mm -hmm. when there's no drama that's automatically supplied. So Christine was like in this environment and she was like very much raised with like, we're, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be, you know, the victims here and we have to always be on the run and be so secretive and blah, blah, blah. So she knew what she was doing. The thing about Christine is that, her relationship with Cody was severed. I think the moment he started courting Robin mm. and the reason for that is that Christine's like whole life philosophy. She's like, I want to be the third wife. I heard I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to just be the last wife. I want to be the third wife. Uh, but she wanted to be the last wife in yeah. effect. She wanted to balance everything out. And, and she even said it for like really emotionally immature reasons on the show. She's like, well, all the hard work has been done emotionally by the first wife to like tame him and then the family has to get like balanced by the second wife and like all that work is already done there so i get to be the third wife and come in and like just have fun yeah so at this point i'll say there's some speculation online 
you know, obviously this show has a lot of just rabid fans. They're right. highly, highly interested in this. And there's some speculation among those fans that TLC, so TLC has a lot of interest in showing stuff like this because of like the curiosity element that right. I mentioned the before. The morbid, like want to know how people live. Yeah. Exactly. And you can see that because at a couple of different points in, throughout the show in, in different seasons, they just take a road trip and go visit another polygamous family. Like at one point, they just the family just decides to go on vacation to BFE, Missouri. Oh. And like, like they're driving from Vegas to like essentially St. Louis. Jesus. And, and they road trip across the country to just go hang out with this other polygamous family. It's just a guy with like a weird dude and two weird wives. And like it's clear that TLC was trying to explore the possibility of like, what if we just do this again? What if we do yeah. it with another family? What kind of spinoffs right. can we generate here? And so the speculation online is Cody, when pitching this to TLC, like there was interest in the show and like they must have reached out to other players' families. Cody m might have suggested, oh, well, I'll get another wife and that'll be like uh, an, a point to grab onto. Yeah. Yeah, so he th there's speculation that he, he courted Robin for the show. Uh, of course, they would all deny that. But, like, the fact that Robin came in seems very weird. Christine was very happy. None of them like Robin because she's obviously the favorite. And they bring that up, like, they have interviewers at the end of the season that are like, so we're going to do this tell-all, and we're going to ask you, like, hard-hitting questions about your family. And they ask questions like, well, Cody, how can you divide your time evenly among four women? There's only so much time in a day. How can you say you love all your children equally when you don't see them all every day? Like, and so they ask right. hard questions like that, and one of them is like, well, you, you know, Robin has had kids. Nobody else has. Uh Robin gets most of the attention because she has the youngest kids. Fans of online are saying Robin is clearly the favorite. So how can you say that? And they're like, oh, no, that's not true. We don't see that, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, all of their resentment from Christine and Janelle and really Mary. Mary's closer with Robin, but it, it's mostly Christine and Janelle. They're like, well, yeah, like, Robin essentially is the favorite. Janelle openly said on the show, like, yeah, if I got treated differently, if I got treated like Robin and, I've, like, Cody wants me to be loyal to him like Robin's, well, yeah, clearly there's a difference in how he sees these two women. Right. So the fact that she came on the show was the reason the show exists in the eyes of some fans, but it's also the family's undoing. So yeah. it's a whole big thing. And and you, you can see jealousies build up. You can see resentment build up. Like at one point, there's a really telling episode that, that I think is like the, the primary fissure in the Cody-Christine relationship. So Cody, wife number three, they go, they're very active in therapy. They have a lot of couples therapy episodes. They have a lot of like whole family episodes. At yeah. one point, Cody and Christine go on vacation from Vegas to Galveston, Texas, which like I guess that's a tourist destination. I don't huh. know. They go to the beach okay. and they bring their therapist with them on this trip. Wow. And the therapist has them do this exercise where it's like use these rocks, these beach rocks to build a sculpture of what your relationship is like. Christine wants to build like rocks that represent the two of them together as a married couple. Cody immediately jumps to like, well, we have to have the family. So here's you and here's Robin and here's Chris, er, and here's Janelle and here's Mary and here's all the kids and blah, blah, blah. So Cody's focus is on the family because he wants to be the center of attention, the mm -hmm. keystone and the arch of this family. Christine wants to have like a married husband and right. like, wants a relationship. Sure. So they fundamentally see the relationship differently. And that I think is the, is the, key thing that like that precipitates the fallout and and apparently fans of the show were saying like christine later came out and said like she was thinking about leaving cody in like the 2015 2016 time frame like when they were doing this stuff and she didn't until 2021 so the thinking is she basically was talking to janelle about this and janelle's smart janelle's a savvy person she's like financially responsible and i think cody sees that in her so the thinking was that christine and janelle were kind of like planning like hey uh, you know, Christine, I know you want to leave. So just like get your finances together. Wait till your youngest kid who at the time of like their, their split starting to show was like, I don't know, five, four or five. Mm -hmm. Wait till these kids are old enough and grown enough to get out and yeah. then go back to Utah, live close to your family. And now, now Christine is basically just like single. She's just like, so that's really interesting to me because it kind of like the, the idea of polygamy makes a ton of sense when human beings are hunter gatherers and like the idea for men is to provide food. The idea for women is to be pregnant and we're here to survive against wolves and shit totally yep. makes a bunch of sense. Like that's like humans are barely humans at that point, right? Animals just trying to live. But yes. the idea of polygamy in a civilized society, I, I think that there, there is some research on this, but humans are pod animals. We do really well with two stable forces and like, like micro herds, right? Like pods. 
two adults, sure. maybe three, depending on grandparents or whatever. But this idea of polygamy clearly doesn't work because we put so much value into the one-on-one relationship that, of course, the wives are going to conspire against his back. Duh. Like, they have time together, and, like, they're married to a husband, but he's kind of got, like, this whole shit show going on, and it just proves the point that this is not a lifestyle that's going to work for anyone because none of them like him. Yeah, it, I mean, like, th- there's resentment all the way around, and it's based on the fact that he's giving attention and giving, like, husband... Like, they, they don't openly show... Fa- they're, like, throughout several seasons, they're like, yeah, no, we're uncomfortable seeing him show affection in public to other wives. Like, I don't want to be around him when he's kissing another wife. Right. And it's like, well, you know, but no your sister was like, oh, no, we love each other. We don't mind it. We know what happens, but I just don't want to see it. Like, and, like, the resentment is built in from the very beginning. And it's not just because Robin came on the show. She makes it far worse, like, the fact that she's... The, like, not her personally, but the fact that she as a fourth wife came in later but like it started from the beginning with his first with his second wife like there was resentment from the start of this becoming more than a one person to one person marriage and like every single problem they face is based on this structure like at one point one of the kids wants to get married like the the first kid that they have as a family is going to get married well then later another kid wants to get married and she wants to get married like 2 months after the first kid. And they're like, oh, you got to give us time to recover from that. And like, they mean financially, but like, they don't explicitly say that. Like, oh, two months isn't very long between marriages. It's like, well, yeah, these kids are from two different moms, though. So if these were two different families in two different households trying to plan two different marriages, then there wouldn't be this problem. You wouldn't have to have recovery yeah. because it would just be two families living right. their lives. 100%. But because they have to like split, the child of one woman has to wait for the child of another woman to get married plus a sufficient cooling off period. And it's, it's just like that over and over. And like the, the, the real, the real problem at the center of this is obviously Cody. Like he, he has to take full responsibility for this. And like, because one of the reasons they wanted to come on the show was to like do good PR. Like his message was polygamy, good polygamy, normal polygamy, beneficial. And, And like everything falls apart and you can see it throughout the show and so, like, at one point during an interview in the season 17, he's like, you know, I feel like Christine leaving just delegitimizes everything we've been trying to do with this show. It's like, yeah, no shit, dog. <laughs> like, this is exactly what you would expect to happen. Like, yeah. exactly the series of events that you would expect to occur, occur. And it's because, like, he does this, like, weird mental gymnastics line where he's like, oh, I believe love should be multiplied and not divided. Like, But it doesn't work like that. You can't multiply the hours in a day. You can only divide them between... Like, like between women among women among children yeah. like you can't do all this stuff and he's like he wants to be known as like the guy who's at the middle of the crazy and he wants to be known as the beloved father who can handle the chaos and he wants to be known as the guy who's just a little quirky and his family's really different but he he clearly doesn't want to do any of the uh, no. any of the emotional he would be a work. bad husband to one person he might be a good husband to one person actually i mm. think it's just that like well, you know, he may, he may or may right, not. I right, mean, whatever right. you want to say about him, like the fact that he thinks he can like be the center of attention and like, like he doesn't give a shit about kids once they get past a certain age because they like develop their own personalities and they don't like need him like little kids do. Mm-hmm. And they start to realize like, oh, I don't want to be a polygamist. Like this sucks. This sucks. I mean, like, yeah. None of the, like, I don't think any of the kids like are openly like, yeah, like well, I want to, I want multiple wives. They're like, oh, I'm open to it. I'm this, I'm that. And, and like, no, it's all wishy-washy, and they're kids, and they don't know anything better outside of the family. How stupid this was, yeah. I mean, I, this is going to... The other weird thing about this is that the parents are consenting to watching these kids' lives grow up. I can tell you right now that it... And this is happening a lot more on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. Precedent in America is going to be set that, like, monetizing your children's lives could not... Might go the other way, and it's going to be a bad deal. Like, they could... It's entirely possible... I'll put it to you this way. It's entirely possible the kids grow up and eventually own the rights to that show. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and like, yeah. I, I think one of the things that they do is, like, they do a pretty good job of, like... Legal, they seem to be legally savvy, but they also seem to do like really good PR. Like they have, they, they issue these like very carefully calibrated statements mm-hmm. and they've clearly gotten some coaching on how to do this. But yep. like you can't coach your way around the fact that it's impossible to divide your time equally among that many, like among that many people that need your attention. It's impossible. You, you do not multiply love by having to divide your time and attention. That's, right. that's not how that works. And, uh, the fruits of that bear themselves out on the show. Like, if you think it gets better with age, like if you think it just like time heals all wounds, like no time is rotting away this family because the structure is fundamentally unsound. It reminds and me a lot we of are. You we were talking about this a lot. Of the Earth is flat documentary when the the flat earthers they lay out the experiment, they conduct it yes. exactly right, and then it's like, well, the Earth is actually round. It's like, oh, we must have been off. It's just like we're just gonna like, dude, you did the thing. We're watching it. It's exact, and it's exactly the same thing as Married at First Sight. We, 
this you build this as an experiment. You've done the experiment. It's fucking failed. Like we know, like we have data. We have data now. Yes, like the information that you sought is before you. You can't like if you want to jump to the conclusion, like you're going to have to take a different route because yes. like going through the actual experience of living this has shown that you are your conclusion was incorrect. You have <sighs> arrived at in fact a different destination. So what I my. I guess takeaway from all of this is that if these TV shows are genuine documentaries and not produced and for the entertainment of us, then I think there's an, an element of success that's possible. Like I, we don't know that other polygamous families aren't in a successful situation, but when you add producers and entertainment value, like TLC wants this to fall apart, but not super fast. After 20 years, it'd be great. That would be super helpful for them. Like 90 Day Fiance, like yeah, if you fight and we have to do uh, you guys next year in her home country, that'd be awesome too. But when you just do the documentary part of it, like the documentary I watch, you're like, wow, when people's hearts are genuine and the camera's just following them around for boredom just to see what's going on, this can be pretty good. I'll tell you what, if they can draw as many eyes, if, if we as a podcast can draw as many eyes and ears as they can as the shows, then I we consider that well. success. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Well, I hope that you enjoy your new couch. I plan to. I yeah. plan to do nothing else. <laughs> Believe me, I know. You missed a great, great Saturday of football standing around. That's really unfortunate for you. I know. Yeah.